There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this. It is pilot episodes, and a new pilot episodes for the new year. So why don't I start by introducing our three intrepid air adventurers. We've got the guy whose service entry date predated the helicopter by 10 years. It's Parky. Hello, Parky. Do I predate a helicopter by... What was that? So about 1936? And, of course, there is a guy that used to land vertically, but now all he does is helicopter thinking in the MOD. It's Godders. Hello, mate. Yes, uh, I am here. Um, and you're right, actually. I, I, all I do is sort of think about stuff in the MOD rather than actually go flying. Bean... Except for my new Christmas present, but more of that later. Ooh, like, uh, you know, sitting on bean bags, brainstorming, things that you would never, ever would get away with in, in the RAF, but now you're doing it. Uh, no, that's working at Google. MOD is little different. Excellent. And lastly, it's the chopper that no one wants to fly with. <laughs> <laughs> it's dunk how are you mate glorious thanks mate absolutely glorious with that introduction how could i not be <laughs> that was a belter of an intro that was a good one yeah that was a good... helicopter was 1939 wow it's a good old stick you had there parky i'll give you that <laughs> seems like there's a helicopter theme going on this uh, evening yeah there is yeah yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say so so why don't you tell why don't you boys tell me what you've been up to with the fest are you doing much flying Dunk. well to be honest Dunk. no Duncan. not really is that why you're all grumpy yeah i'm a bit grumpy although i've done uh, i've done quite a lot this week since we've been back it was great our airplane bust sadly when uh, on, on the last week of term so we're you know we had to play games instead <laughs> well yeah Oh. It's the cuts from those suits in the MOD, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. Flipping Blizz with his helicopter thinking. <laughs> uh, tell right. me what ha- I can't have fun. No one else is. Tell me what happened to your aeroplane then, Dunk. Well, it turns out that they found out that uh, a man, not an Air Force man, it's an, uh, an engine man who makes the engine or repairs the engine, had put something on slightly back to front which made the engine blow up after a little while so they had to uh say again was it the propeller (laughs) is that what that thing does (laughs) it It didn't uh... very well did it (laughs) anyway so yeah it um they had to come and look at it turns out as was fine but they had to come look anyway and take the thing to bits and peer into the uh the guts of the engine and then uh Give a thumbs up, but by that time, it was too late. It's time. Is that your is that your Tucano? Yeah. How is the Tucano? Is it good good to fly? 
great. Have you never flown it? I flew it once about a million years ago. Did Why get... don't you come up and fly with me? You never oh, yes. Right, I'm in. Oh, really? You're a bit of a seagull now, aren't you? He says yes. He'll probably <laughs> no, won't I went, see I went flying. I went flying in that prefect up at Cranwell um, a few months ago. That was brilliant. I love that. It didn't did, come did to see me. Did we ever talk about that? Yes, we did. Um, He'll chop you, goddess. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, that is true. I've flown with him before. I know what it'll be like. It'll be nibbing Rip away. The ball's her. not in the middle. Come on, you're not fast. I, I actually on. got told Are off. Are you planning to fly a thousand and five feet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. You so, <laughs> so, so, Dunk, is it fair to say that your Taconobrook was it just basic human error? It was basic human error. So but they, <clears throat> I'm gonna so, look, sorry, go on. An engine um, went kaput and um, s- somewhere. And because that particular type of engine uh, is in all sorts of different airplanes, not just the Takano, uh, they had to check all of them uh, to, oh, no. to, to make sure that, you know, the thing hadn't been put on back to front. So I'm going to link this to the F-35, actually. Would you believe it? Because it's my understanding, and um, God, is, you can tell me if I'm wrong, and no doubt, no doubt I probably am. But carrier aircraft have always had two engines, traditionally because of course that's been more reliable but apparently engines now are so reliable that the main problem that people face or the you know the people that fly these aircraft face is human error so by having one engine actually the failure rate is less is it is that an actual thing i can see where that thinking would come in but no they've um, they've always flown single engine airplanes off of carriers you know starting from when Winkle Brown was doing it in single engine aeroplanes all the way up through the, you know, the A7 and, um, uh, Harry, yeah, here it goes. But I mean, yes, all, all, the, all the later jet engine, uh, jet aircraft flown off US, US aircraft carriers have all been two engine for that reason. Um, I, I know they've definitely got used to twin engine. So I know, um, intellectually bringing the f-35c into service in the u.s navy with a single engine um i think has been difficult for for the guys who've been used to twin engine airplanes for such a long time because there is a, there is there genuinely is a psychological difference you know when i stepped out of harrier flying 20 years ago and then um uh well at, in fact it was through the f-16 and then into the that's typhoon. only got one engine got us yeah i know but then into the typhoon <laughs> i suddenly wouldn't want to go and fly across the atlantic in a single engine airplane again you know it's a psychological aspect even though i've done it quite a few times in in both those airplanes so i don't um, think but i don't think it's a carrier specific thing do you got us and the fact is that i've only ever flown aircraft with one engine because i can't cope with any more clearly there's it's far too complicated for me but the uh everyone that has flown two engine airplanes if within the air force they go why would you possibly fly a single engine airplane and it is right why wouldn't you want one that can get you home if the other one blows up well, so, so i'm not sure it's carrier specific so so the thought is there that now if a jet engine goes wrong and they're side by side the 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 failure will be so catastrophic it'll take the other one out anyway so you may as well just have one no, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's a very rare case. I mean, Parker, you've flown twin-engine airplanes for a long time. Um, many catastrophic failures from a single-engine failure. Yeah, I have been single-engine in a 
Phantom, Tornado, and Typhoon actually had the first engine really? flame out in a Typhoon. But um, mishandling. It, yeah, it was it, EU. Actually, in the guide vein, stuck, and uh, it was one of those. See, she talks to you, and I can remember just left flame out and just utter disbelief. What? And I, you know, sort of pods the engine page, and I could see the left engine just sort of winding down. And it should have an auto relight as well, but it wouldn't because of the. The, the inner guy veins were starving the, uh, the the donk of oxygen. But the, the the next thing I did was podge up the fuel page. And it is just weird. It just I thought I, I must have run out of fuel or something horrendous must be happening. But actually, you know, all well, you can remember Typhoon. It's just a non-event single engine. Yeah, it's got so much power. Uh, so, I mean, God is, you know, I think once you do get used to two engines, I went from the Tornado to the F-16 and... Uh, yeah, you do get kind of used to it, I suppose, after a while. But uh, it, it's definitely a comfort blanket having a second engine. Yeah, so I, um, <clears throat> I'm absolutely sure they're much more reliable these days. I mean, definitely, although touching wood, you know, the EJ200 um, that powers the Typhoon um, is probably, I'm sure there's alien technology in there because of just how reliable <laughs> that engine is, you know, with... A thousand hours on the aeroplane myself. I never had a single engine snag whatsoever. I mean, Parky, you were the first to get a thousand hours on it, and that's one essentially engine flame out. Um, and you could probably count on one hand yeah. the amount of people we know in thousands and thousands of hours of flying. Therefore, you know how uh, um, uh, you know how good they are. It was interesting that you know that. Uh, they're still looking at the F-35 crash that happened with the U.S. Marine Corps before Christmas. Um, but there's the issue right there. If one of those flames out, um, you know, the, the only way is down. However, you've got a cheaper airplane right there because it, you've reduced the, uh, you know, the amount of systems in it. You've got a lighter airplane, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it, it's uh, swings and roundabouts, definitely. Uh, just give us an indication. I mean, you said that the... Uh, was it EJ? What was what was the engine designation for the Euro, uh, for the Typhoon? EJ two hundred. Uh, give give me an indication of how that fares compared to what they put in the F thirty five now. Uh, I, I'm not sure there's enough F thirty five hours to know that that's the F one three five engine. Pratt and Whitney is the main engine in that, and there's a lift fan in the F thirty five B. Made my Rolls Royce. Um, but the technology in there is, uh, you know, is amazing. Uh, maybe want to talk about in another pod how that thing, and especially if we manage to go and, you know, fly the simulator up at Wharton, but how the thing transitions at the back, the nozzle, um, you know, turns, twists and comes 90 degrees down, the door opens on the top and the lift fan spools up through a clutch. The amount of testing that has gone on, with, you can imagine that clutch, system itself you know so that main engine is driving around and that clutch engages in less mm. than a second and spins that lift fan up to uh, uh you know to fighting speed that cannot fail so um you know they've used every single modern technology they can and actually look at you Warning. know rolls royce's when record. anyone says something can't fail it can probably fail <laughs> yeah if i said can't fail <laughs> would be a long time between failures but look at Rolls-Royce's record in, in airliners and, yeah. you know, how, how those things just keep going. You know, I think the more you fly and the more they, uh, they keep going. Um, Thank goodness. Don't go yeah. um, Have you ever had to deal with a flame-out? And, and, and actually, can you get a flame-out on, on a Harrier? Yeah, yeah, you could. 
um again inlet guide vane problems would um would cause you all uh, no end of uh, problems the the other thing of course um the the big danger for um aircraft really but particularly a single engine engined aircraft at low level which is what the harriers environment really was uh, is a bird strike and we had a number of uh, of losses um but um from in the circuit to actually you know going at speed at low level um if one of the if a, if a big one of those the engine's pretty good actually it would generally eat the bird up spit it out the back and keep going it would probably have quite a lot of damage but it would probably it would normally keep going um but a friend of ours um buzzard or eagle um on short finals uh down down the uh down the intake and uh the, the engine wasn't having it and the airplane just uh, just fell out the sky and uh, so the aircraft just fell out the sky and he uh, he had to eject really stupid question okay and i appreciate this is really stupid why don't they just have some form of wire mesh over the intakes a grid i think it, they, the bird would still yeah it'd be diced bird going into the engine 400 miles an hour it would just chop it up quite nicely and then the thing would still go down the intake but i mean it's surely better than no mid over the intake especially if it's at a, at a slant or have i just got that completely wrong i think as well that it just the um you know especially going supersonic or massive high speed it, it, the design of intake it, it, it is rocket science you know that the ramps all move just to make sure the the speed of the air hitting the, the first stage of the compressors is just sort of optimal. You, you just probably couldn't have that sort of interference there. It sounds like a, you know, a, a no-brainer, but it just wouldn't work. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody would have thought of that. Yeah, there are greater minds than me involved in aviation. I, I'll, I'll give you boys that much. <laughs> you, never, you never know. It's the sort of things we come up with the MOD whilst lounging around on beanbags. <laughs> yeah, we, we all know what good ideas come up from the MOD. Yes. Yeah. Round takeaway coffees and all... and. And everything else which you get up to. Yeah, oh yeah, we, we've got a cost during MOD. Of course you have, of course you have. Uh, but I wanted to talk this episode about, about advice, and particular advice from seniors, and people that might have influenced you boys as, as airmen growing up in the uh, RAF. Well, I, I was, um, you know, it might be a revelation to the person that listens. Um, but we actually talk about this before we, uh, before we start recording. But... Um, I, you know, for me, I, I'm sure if you dig into it, there there are pockets of advice there. Actually, now you say it, one does stand out. It was there was an American change officer when I was going through Valley on flying training, and uh, I think it was uh, it must have been an end of course interview. So I passed the course, knew where I was going, and the guy said, "Right, make sure you find one thing on the squadron that no one knows anything about. Become the expert, and they can never get rid of you." Uh, so not- when I when I was new on the squadron, I turned up and volunteered to be the first person on this the toilet. <laughs> we, we had, uh, no, I, you were quite expert on that actually, <laughs> but the, um, it was the mission planning system. So this is the mid 90s. such 10 year old banter. You were the expert <laughs> on that. Is that what they teach you at MOD? Right, well, hang on. Just did you, did you started with the toilet dunk. <laughs> um, and so when I went to the squadron, they, they were just starting out, just introducing this electronic mission planning, because before you just got a map out, you got a ruler, you, you know, you draw, drew lines on it and off you went. And being the computers, uh, most of the older fellas on the squadron had absolutely no clue what the hell was going on with this thing. So um, there was a couple of us, back, one of them being uh, our mate who, uh, who don't just mention who ended up ejecting on short finals uh, out of Larbrook. Um 
went off on this course, came back, and I never told anyone else how to do it. I just hogged it, and they couldn't get rid of me, no matter how bad I was. So it was actually pretty good advice. Uh, what did this system do then? G- give us give us a bit of an indication, because I do like the transition from the old map days, where everyone has to do things with rulers and pencils, into what we have yeah. now. Well, the, so the old days of rulers and pencils was a fine art that, um, you know, the, the old and bold on the squadron had down to about a three and a half second planning time to uh, to get back from Germany, a low level through uh, the UK and then land somewhere in the UK. And then you do a rapid plan on the way back. Um, whereas when they introduced the mission planning system, which everything uses now, um, it was a little bit ropey. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had the the ridiculous notion of uh, definitely on three squadron that dunk was on um half the te- so if you're going off in a four ship half of them would do a pencil map plan and the other half would do it on the computer just in case the computer didn't work um wow. the disadvantage of doing it with map and pencil was that you had to enter all of the data via hand so you had to type in all the waypoints and all that sort of stuff whereas as soon as you did it on computer you just took the brick out this little um data storage thing stuffed it in the airplane and it downloaded automatically interesting you, uh, I mean, when you said that they they could you were indispensable and they couldn't get rid of you didn't you only do about 500 hours on the harrier and then they carted you off to the states or something 973 dunk 973 not, not quite a thousand is it <laughs> oh. just if, if I'd have done my logbook like Parky, I'd have three and a half thousand. <laughs> God, uh, you remind me of uh, who is the who is the Australian cricketer that couldn't quite have av- it? Don Bradman. Yes, uh, retired on on average of something like ninety seven or something. Now that would be annoying. Yeah, very very much so. Um, <laughs> Just, just, there, 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 there's there's one for future pods for uh, we're probably getting uber niche on mission planning systems but um i'd flip it loved them for the whole of my flying career so it was actually i hadn't thought about it until that moment but that was probably the best piece of advice i've ever had just just on that and whilst it's going through through my mind do you worry that the old skills of navigating are actually leaving the forces in in general i'll just point point. um because i was reading an article about gps and the you know the U.S. Army, the U.S. Air Force, all the all the U.S. forces, all the NATO forces, and their complete reliance on GPS. Well, I, I guess there's an, there's an answer for Dunk there in in training terms. Um, you know, as to whether the guys and girls that are coming through training are taught the basics of navigation and so on. But Parky, sorry, you're going to say something. I, I think to a certain extent you can get massively you know reliant on you know the kit in the aircraft, can't you? And you know low level nav in a in the, the typhoon, you, you definitely use the kit way more than just actually looking at features, you know, because it's brilliant. It's worked the whole time. And, you know, if, it, it just almost Sky Game is the same thing, you know, just going back to just a, a stopwatch and a, a heading and time. And, uh, well, I think we'd be working hard now doing that. Do you still do it, Dunk? You know, in. Yeah, at, um, at basic training, they still they use the, they do do a paper plan. But um, most of the time, there's no point in, you know, training and doing all of your paper plans when actually everything uses a, 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 a mission, a mission system, mission planning system. So um, but they do one and then um, in the Takano, they've got nothing else. So they, they do have to they just go and use um, the old techniques uh, when we get to Texan. Um, bizarrely, the aeroplane um, isn't really 
um, set up intuitively for um, f- for low level navigation. So we're going to have to do it old school. So and I think it's a good thing. I think you're right, JB. The, the, the fact is that those skills are definitely being degraded. Um, but, you know, the, the question is, do you need to have those skills now that you've got, you know, now you've got, well, we don't know because no one's jammed our GPS yet. So we yes. don't, well, I mean, well, so what about a valley dunk? Are they essentially using the kit in the T2 Hawk? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, they will. So uh, they, they'll do one where they'll they'll degrade the system again. Um, but it's only one. It's just a look see. JB, it was it was amazing. Without the oh, whole back in the old days, it was brilliant. But there, I mean, with structure there, but the the level of skill that you could get to navigating at seven miles a minute at low level yes. round Wales on purely a stopwatch. And a map, um, and a, a, a compass in, in the aeroplane. It was unbelievable when you think about it. The, the sort of the, that level you got to. But I guess some of it was to an end. You know, in terms of you had to have that because none of the frontline aeroplanes had GPS at that particular time when we were coming through. And I guess they continued it for a bit because it is a way of checking to see whether someone has the capacity, has the ability to be able to, uh, you know, to navigate, to think, to make decisions at those sorts of speeds in that sort of environment. That's remarkable. So, did, did you actually have a stopwatch or was it built into the into the aircraft? Yeah, it was, uh, it was connected to the aeroplane. Bloody hell. It was a stopwatch with a start, stop and a reset button. Wow. Yeah. That, that, Parky, I mean, that's Parky actually always gives amazing. me banter because in the chipmunk... Thinking about that now. <laughs> in the chipmunk there is a little clip where you put your issued it's like a it's like a pocket watch like a silver pocket watch i went through um elementary training i was issued one of these um beautiful i mean it's not silver i guess it's uh it's aluminium but uh it's, it's a nice stopwatch uh, an old wind-up stopwatch and i always kept it so when i got to bbmf i'd clip my dweeby little stopwatch <laughs> into the uh, into the park he's like what's that it's like that's that's my stopwatch <laughs> for navigating around the place but uh, sad little man sad sad little man <laughs> no i've still got it have any of you and, people... and, and, sorry you know the I don't know what they're like now on BBMF. I don't know what it's like in the in the in the aircraft you fly down at um, Headcorn Parky, but definitely, uh, you know, other than Valley, probably my best standard of navigation ever was on the Battle of Britain Memorial flight because you were just using maps, and uh, although we mission planned it, you were navigating using the map pictures all of the time, and using sort of uh, you know learned skill to hit a. A, a fly past exactly on second you know just based on the features you were seeing and you know what time am i supposed to be flying past that would oh i'm a bit early i'll just make a wider turn here you know that sort of thing um yeah i, I think know. Busy with the old before we got the the radios with a, a gps track so you got a decent heading was the using that old compass which was you know maybe plus or minus 10 20 degrees and it was just a bit of a a vague compass. I'll never forget dunk landing off some trip and you've been airborne about an hour 40 and you came back just looking so hot and sweaty and knackered and you just wandered in and sort of just looked at a map for about five minutes on the wall and just suddenly went oh yeah Birmingham airport worked out where you must have been but it was you know especially when the you know the, the viz wasn't brilliant or the you know, the cloud base. It was extraordinary hard work, I thought, without a, an accurate heading. That just made it so difficult. I think you're right. 
God is your right, though. The, uh, the the fact is that your standard of uh, map reading at the end of that um, was was probably the highest that it's been within the Air Force. I went back then to Takano, which is the same thing. It's just a map and a stopwatch. It's the same type of navigation, actually the same speeds. And I was go- I can't remember. Where I, was. I think I was going from Linton. I had to go down to St. Athen. And uh, they said, oh, how are you going to get down there? So I'm going to go low level. And they went, really? I said, yeah. What, navigate? <laughs> yeah what through all of the the the, the airspace down there i went yeah it'll be all right he went oh, i wouldn't do that and um but then because you're just so used to flying around country like that in bbmf it's a it's a non-event did you just point to the coddington balloon hanger and then hang a right <laughs> wait till yeah. the temp- the, uh, the bristol channel turned up yeah sounds about right Jobs Got good. horrendously lost oh yeah i didn't make it to st athen <laughs> No, I ended up in lossy mouth, bizarrely. <laughs> uh, now, just on this sort of navigation thing, uh, have any of you heard of of a CNS or ever used one, a, celest- a celestial navigation system? Oh, Belter, Starnav. Yeah. yeah. They had one in the roof of the Hercules, remember? Yeah. And in fact, I think the B-2 Spirit stealth bomber that is correct. has a uh, celestial nav system. Yeah, this is apparently what what the Russians use exclusively uh, because of th- fears of GPS. Even though you know they could use GPS should they want to, it's open, but that's what they use. CNS. Yeah, there's also a uh, there's a thing called terrain reference navigation as well. I don't know whether you've heard of that, JB. Which no. is so using it's not stealthy because you're putting out emissions, but using your radalt, so the radar altimeter. Uh, or altimeter i said the wrong word um you know that basically pings keeps pinging below the airplane and tells you exactly how high you are above the ground um using the difference in height uh, of the below you it can work out you know if you're flying a constant height and it's showing that you're going up 50 down 20 up whatever it then looks at its database and tells you exactly where you are in the world so another the the f-16 that I flew 20 years ago in the States had that uh, terrain reference navigation. So you could not use GPS um, using that. Ah, nice. So just before we move this on elsewhere, uh, what is the special skill you've developed? Uh, uh, Goddess? Um, it's the ability to go to Costa and um, carry five cups That's incredible. of latte at once upstairs. Up, up to the Air Vice like- Marshal. Up to here's your cappuccino sir we've implemented the cuts have you got a camera on me during a day-to-day basis <laughs> minute by minute basis uh, i'll have the admiral likes coffee <laughs> um porky you must have had some fairly good advice during your time yeah, I was sort of thinking back and uh, didn't give it a great deal of thought. Probably should have given it more. But um, <laughs> the, the one guy, I think when you're sort of doing pilot training, you definitely, you, you know, I, I sort of had a moment I can remember in uh, in the States and I was flying with some B-52 instructor and he was pretty miserable to fly with and uh, I really didn't like him. Then I flew with this Brit. There was a, a T-37 uh QFI, who was on exchange out there, a guy called Rod Thomas, and he was just such a top mate to fly with. And, you know, essentially, he just just made me relax more whilst flying. And that was the the, the best advice. You know, you don't want to be ridiculously tense, probably in anything, if you're trying to concentrate and do well. You, you've got to be relaxed so you can uh, 
you can do it. And, you know, obviously not over relaxed, not overconfident, but just getting that correct level so you could do it. And uh, it was like sort of switching on a light bulb. And I, I so enjoyed flying. And that was the uh, that was the big thing, I think, for me. Then sort of, you know, you just feel your confidence building and uh, it's great. And pilot training was so much more fun after that. It's funny I, you I, say uh, when we were going through elementary training at Swinderby on the uh, chipmunk, a guy called Mark Pickervance and uh, or Pickers. And he um, he was a really top dude as well. He was a hurt guy. But uh, we, were, we were doing formation for the first time. And again, it's funny how things stay with you. So, and his advice was, you, you will get very tense when you're formating. It's just natural that you'll do that. You won't realize it, but you'll be gripping the stick so yeah. hard your knuckles will be white. So what you need to do is you just need to say to yourself, bunnies and kittens, bunnies and kittens <laughs> and then <laughs> fingers and toes and everything will be fine <laughs> did you did you find yourself saying bunnies and kittens <laughs> oh, it, it's interesting isn't it because you uh, know when i was thinking about it earlier although i'd forgotten the uh, that advice that actually i ended up talking about was an individual exactly as you guys have just said that you end up um you know, really enjoying flying with, or there is something about them. Um, you know, it was uh, Doc Brown when I went through uh, Linton, who was uh, one of the only fast jet pilots as an instructor. He was a Phantom pilot and had these brilliant stories of being on 43 Squadron with Phantoms and was a really good guy to fly with as well. Um, and you just end up, you know, enjoying it so much more for exactly the reasons that, you know, Parky's just talked about, all the odd pearl of wisdom, like, no, don't put the gear down there, you know, or, or, or something like that, you know. Um, knots. Yeah. No. <laughs> It'll get ripped off. Now, for most people watching Top Gun, um, it does seem like joining a fast jet squadron is not the most friendly experience when you first show up. What is the experience like when you first show up? Exactly like that. Terrifying. Really? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, I don't know, JB, to, to go to something you know, I mean, I guess it's akin to being an 18-year-old arriving at your first men's rugby club for the first time, playing 13 with these gnarled old buggers, yes. you know, who would just sort of punch you in the face if you do something wrong or, um, you know, along those sorts of lines. It's exactly the same. You know, I was 10 years into my career on the minute that i walked into the squadron on the f-16 squadron it was driven across america it was long story short it was a brand new exchange there'd never been a brit before and the guy who was um who was assigned to look after me he said hey come along to the squadron um you know we're having it we've got to do this evening and they're big old squadrons out in the state so i walked into this place and it went deathly quiet and i'm stood looking at all of these you know there's 50 odd american fighter pilots in there i'm going oh did you God. say hello <laughs> well, so the went, latte. So the, the guy, the guy who was looking off, I bought five lattes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you did, and I uh, said, "Go on, Brit, tell us about yourself." Breath, and, oh. and I was going to go, "Hello," I went, <gasps> and I went, "Ah, shut up!" And uh, you know, started hurling abuse and throwing things at me. I was like, "Oh my god, what have I walked into?" <laughs> But it turns out to everyone who joins. Um, and then, you know, it's like any walk of life. In any squadron you've been on, there's some old grumpy fella in the corner who won't speak, <clears> done <throat> 3,000 hours in combat or something. 
you know, so it's it's pretty intimidating when you first get in there. How about you, Dunk? I, I, I imagine joining a squadron with you on, Dunk, could, could be difficult. Really? <laughs> why, why would you say that? I don't know. I, I just have a feeling. I can't. I don't know why. Really? I don't know. I, I think you know, I'm welcome. Those jokes in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, well, you know, go, uh, the thing is, is normally when you go and join a squadron, um, you know, my first squadron was three squadron in Germany. But you do, although there are the, you know, the old and the bold, and actually, uh, to be honest, there weren't that many old guys on the Harrier squadrons. The, the, I mean, they seemed old to us because we were only sort of mid twenties and, uh, and early thirties, the flight commanders and things like that, and um, and they were, you know, uh, as God says, they're pretty uh, aggressive. They're, they're war fighters, and uh, you know, it is a war fighting environment, so it's not, you know come over here and sit on my knee and i'll tell you a story you know it's uh there's a bit more to it so uh <laughs> i love that i love that come here sit on my knee let me tell you a story and that says to voices you've been hey, nice that, that was that was a different squadron i was not on that squadron <laughs> you were you know you were no, but, but, but Banzer I think, squadron. I think the deal is, before before i i uh I, I, so the fact is that you've got a bunch of mates that you've gone through the ocu with and they're on senior courses to you but you know them so you probably know that you know the two tears from you know from your ocu so you you do at least know some people and we used to call it the junta so you join the junta and that was the young carder of uh, of um, junior pilots effectively and uh, it was the tightest knit bunch of uh, bunch of lads it was it was great so although there is that sort of intimidating air to it you were also sort of joining a gang of dudes that uh, would become uh, you know your your some of your greatest friends for for life effectively no it's um it, and it's there's a lot of you know you 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 put your own sort of um you know that intimidation is you walking in there as well wanting to do a really good job you know you you you've got a sort of weight of expectation on your shoulder you don't want to screw up you've still got a load of flying to do to get ready so you can still get chopped on this squadron as well so you sort of you really want to get on with the guys on the squad and you hope it's going to be the fighter squadron that you sort of dreamed about um, and it is very quick that you integrate you know and as dunk says you know the younger ones generally take you under the uh, under the wing um i remember um you know dunk and i were on uh different squadrons at the same um and there were tons of us on on both of the squadrons that were flying officers you know so sort of single stripers um you know, thrashed them out in Harriers in our uh, early to mid twenties, and it was utterly brilliant once you once you got into that. And it's exactly the same as that rugby team. Once you played your first game, uh, or you know, started your first game, and you could wear the club tie, you're in the club. Brilliant. You wouldn't you wouldn't be anywhere else on the planet. That's awesome. Now, the like, Dunk the the Harrier itself is a very unique aircraft. So I can't believe that you didn't get some sort of poison first sh- when, when you first showed up. Going back quite a long way, that's the only thing, JB, and my uh, my, my memory's not that great. So uh, it's tricky to. Um, I mean, you there's always. If sitting on the, the old pilot's lap, Dunk, then what happens? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you a story. <laughs> I, hang on, Dunk, I've got a well, doll. If you want to show me where. To the wing. <laughs> so I, I'm quite happy with the sitting on the lap bit. <laughs> God is being dragged off under the wing again. <laughs> what? <laughs> what you said you got you got taken under the wing oh i see lucky you yes that's what it was like on four squadron that's not very good as a dunk <laughs> um, advice thing jb is uh, is 
I mean, it, I guess it comes thick and fast, doesn't it? In terms of everyone's got a top tip. And you end up, uh, in fact, the same mate that we talked about who's, who ejected on short finals and was on the mission planning course was known for making what we termed gizzers, which were, um, you know, little, probably A5 cards that had, you know, a script on of what you were to do. And, you know, it was basically all the shortcuts of the checklist or something like that, oh. that, or this is how to mission plan, or this is how to so-and-so. So there was all these sort of back pocket guides that people would write and, you know, yeah, look, I've made one of these and, and, you know, would save you about three and a half minutes. Um, but, you know, th it was that sort of thing. It's that sort of advice. I never really got a, um, you know, because we all knew how to fly an aeroplane. It's probably a bit... Sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, but there must have been guys on, guys on Squadron who, when you showed up, you thought, like, I'd quite like to fly like that guy. Oh, yeah, def definitely. Definitely. It's just it's tricky to sort of, uh, you know, there were so many bits of that because, you know, you you do turn up and you, although you've done the operational conversion unit, you're pretty green, you know, on the squadron. So you've got to learn particularly, well, it doesn't matter what jet it is, really. But, uh, you know, Harrier was a complicated uh, aeroplane. And um, so you, you had to you learned things as you went along. You didn't learn everything on the OCU. So you then went on workups for certain things. You got cleared for more advanced V-Stol. So, um, you know, vertical maneuvers, you, you started as your experience grew, you were taught new, new things. And uh, again, it was the, the, the more experienced dudes on the squadron that would, that would give you that advice. I, I'm a, I, you know, the, the thing is, is that I don't remember any one pearl of wisdom uh, particularly from you know from because the, there's so many of them. All right, so who uh, who is I think on the Harry it was just all the way forward if you're going to move the nozzles in flight. <laughs> it was always a good bit of advice, and no one actually told you until you departed and had flames coming out the intake fifteen times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I think at this point it's worth mentioning. I'm going to move it on uh, slightly, but um, did you have you guys been keeping up with the news from both Heathrow and Gatwick regarding their little incidents? Yes, Drone Wars. I'm literally about to say that. Now, before we talk about Gatwick and Heathrow, why doesn't God tell us exactly what he's had for uh, Christmas? Yes. So in an effort to get back to flying, I have purchased, in fact, Father Christmas gave me, um, on the recommendation of Parky, actually, this little racing drone that um, has a little camera in the front and you wear a set of... Uh, I was about to say VR goggles, but they're, you know, first person goggles. So you put these on your head and you're looking out of the camera on the front of this little drone and then you go flying. It's like being in an aeroplane again. It's flipping brilliant. Is it actually analogous? Yeah, I think so. Really? Parker, you're the expert here. I'm still, I'm still on the conversion unit at the moment. I need some top tips, actually. I keep crashing the thing into the... Yeah, that's good. Um... So, are you um, doing some time on the simulator first on your computer? Yeah, so just sorting that right now is wow. the. Uh, it's, it, I'm, I'm going through a full conversion course here because yeah. JB, if you watch stuff online of what, I mean, they're mainly youngsters can do with these things. It is unbelievable the sort of level of flying that they get to. And basically, I want to get good enough to go up to parking and do some dog fun with it in his back garden. Oh, lovely. Did that continue for you, boys? Sorry to interrupt, but no, I lost you all completely then. No, we got it. That was good. Okay. The, the, my number two lad, who's just graduated from Sandhurst Army and is going Army Air Corps. So he was out in the States and he got 
addicted to these first pilot view drones with uh, with his cousin and he came back and ordered me to buy a couple of uh, of rodeo 110s uh, which I duly did and then he took the course with me and we we got a couple of them and uh, you each got your own gogs but what you can then do is you can put his on look at you as well and it's like having an instructor beside you and genuinely I was nervous as my little lad said okay in your own time <laughs> and time. he just generally just I think you're over controlling it a dad you know it's like oh this is miserable I'd rather be with Mason right now you know, it was just, <laughs> just horrendous flying this thing but they are utterly brilliant. and it is uh, you know if you get onto you've got various modes uh, god sorry about this but you can get it so it's fully aerobatic this drone it, you know it upside down forward loops and backward loops and rolls and all sorts of stuff and it, it, it's just utterly brilliant it's like being back in the harry yeah uh, I, honestly I, I mean i have on my outings with it i have <laughs> you're gonna laugh but i haven't even taken it outside yet because i know i'll get a bit excited on the throttle and this thing will end up in a hedge or up a tree or something like that but um it is brilliant and uh, and it I, I don't know whether any kid would love to go on one of these things but for me, it, it, it is look when you're looking through this set of goggles at what the, the this little aeroplane is seeing. It is just like flying around in a real aeroplane. It's brilliant. Isn't the house a little bit trickier. Is that why you keep crashing? Maybe you well, no, 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 no. But I'm just trying to get good at it in a small environment before I uh, let myself loose in so, the local area. So and, so and shut down Heathrow. So Parky very much sounds like the expert here. So what have you been using yours for? Flying over netball courts, um, nunneries? <laughs> no, no, it's, just... it's mostly male, JB. <laughs> I, I can see what you're saying. Um, no, just uh, just round the garden. I mean, that's the thing. You you fly these things, and you James's advice when he first sort of was checking me out: just don't go high because you know you suddenly can. Clearly, I guess there's a line of sight or, you know, if you go too far, then you just can't see it and you've lost your drone. So you don't really want to go very ah. far. You want to, it's just brilliant fun just flying around at about. Does it not know, come back? No, 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 these aren't the big, bigger sort of GPS ones. These are pretty tiny little things. They're not very big, you know, sort of, I don't know, seven inches, tiny little, you know, thing. But uh, yeah, just stay, stay low. They seem to be remarkably robust. I mean, we have splatted into the house and into the hedge and into you know all sorts and uh, just can't fly they're brilliant it'd be good actually there, there may be a listener or two who does this sort of stuff we're talking about advice there uh, i think i'd be well after any top tips that anyone's got on the uh, app pilot episodes pod well before we move uh, move us on a bit have you boys seen uh drone racing yes yeah. it's lethal. i know you know, and there's youngsters doing it. And I think uh, I saw uh, I saw something online just the other day because clearly I now research drones online. Um, but in that drone racing league, it's something along the lines of uh, 50 grand a year dollars that you can earn doing it. And Swatch uh, have got a competition up at the moment where you can download the uh, their simulator. Um, you log in you fly the route and they're going to sort of pick the top five to go for trials That's or something amazing. like that. So your youngster could end up as a drone racer for a living. That's really interesting. Well, do you know where I've uh, encountered drones the most so far? Not Heathrow, not Gatwick before anyone cracks up. Uh, local park? People with Christmas presents? Close enough. Um, sail sharks. They've got two of them. And, oh, in terms of uh, videoing? Uh, right, yeah. Um, yeah, and they climb yeah. over, uh, over the... 
uh, training ground and get different angles of the boys training it's good it's good for um it's good for the social media yeah it's cool yeah well you see almost every single sort of tv program you see now on on television obviously yep uh, has, <laughs> some, has, has some has some sort of um has some sort of drone shot in it you know um so i think they are so prevalent and it's it's been interesting to see actually isn't it that a, an alleged sighting at Heathrow shuts the place down, or Incredible. you know, Gatwick was uttered for um, you know what could or couldn't have been um, something flying around the local area, uh, something tiny as well. Yeah. Now, now you're no longer flying. Then Goddess, do, do you have? Do, do you think you'd have a different view if you were flying on on these drones? Uh, no, I've still got the same view. If it's some idiot who's <laughs> having a laugh then put them you know if it's someone doing it for nefarious reasons then stick them in jail um and uh you know anyone picks up one of these things it just has to be i mean there's a bunch of stuff you can read online about you know where to use drones especially these bigger ones that dunk was talking about four or five kilometers you press the button they come back to where you started um you know people have just got to do the uh, you wouldn't get in a car without reading the manual or having a test or doing all those sorts of things um, they just got to be sensible. Uh, are you guys? I say you guys. Are, are uh, is it? Um, so let's Is the navy using quadcopters in any way? Uh, it, um, with the aircraft carriers, things like looking maintenance and that kind of thing. No, it, they, they had a an actually, innovation day. They actually. had a drone yeah. land on the carrier, did they not? Yeah. So that's interesting. That was when the the Queen Elizabeth had stopped for fuel up in uh north of scotland and i think someone had flown a drone over the top and and taken some photographs and i think you know that was a, a realization right there and then that okay we it's not just the sort of physical security on the ground you need to do you know you need to be able to uh to stop these things uh, in the air and it was interesting because you know that military capability that was deployed down to uh gatwick they talk about the army but it's actually the royal air force regiment with oh. specialized kit to, uh, uh, to go and do it because guess what you know the RAF regiment is there to defend airfields um, and actually uh, will also uh, the army and the air force all use drones and that sort of ground surveillance type role uh, as well you know because they're easy things pretty cheap that you can have on a battlefield when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know, gives you a view that's, that's better than the hill you stood on. Uh, well, it might be worth this, uh, um, this then at this point, which is, uh, do, do, do any of you remember the story about the Syrian drones attacking the Russian airbase? Yes. Uh, it was it's inflicted you know, seven, seven million quid's worth of damage or maybe even more. Yeah, I mean, as has been in the papers recently, these things are really easy to weaponize, aren't they? Aren't they? If, you're a, if, if you're determined enough. And actually, one thing, not having been a radio-controlled person before, Parky, I was massively surprised by how many switches and channels and things are on the controller, which is obvious, really. You know, it's for flaps and undercarriage and stuff like that for people who are flying the sort of bigger, complicated airplanes. Um, so there's all sorts of things you can do with them, you know. Um, and so that's why the, the RF regiment already and British Army and Navy already have that sort of anti-drone capability, exactly that sort of reason. I got stuck in Luxembourg for Gatwick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw it firsthand. It's quite a sinking feeling. We, we actually went through. They were oh, saying don't a, tell us this. The whole thing in the airport about which gate you went through. <laughs> Come <laughs> on, they don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, got put in the You had to get yeah. bat faced. We know. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my uh, my little. Tiny bit on drones. Excellent. Um, Does it float your boat at all, Dunk? You know, is it something that... just don't seem to find the time. I don't know how you manage to find the time. Can can I just say, it's staggered that you find drones interested, Dunk. Uh, uh, Interesting. Why? Well, because you strike me. I mean, I saw your face uh, and your entire spirit sink when they sat you in the front of a Gulfstream 750. Like, oh, God. (laughs) It's only because I couldn't fly it. Uh, I knew I was just going to get oh, out of it. Screens, again. screens, and I'd, all the rest I'd of it. Have been, I'd have been different if we could have gone flying in it. That'd have been great. So I, I'm just amazed that you'd be happy to stand on the ground and control it from there, rather than actually get in it with like lots of little levers and pulls and all the rest of it and switches. No, no, anything flying, and I'm uh, I'm very happy to uh, get fully involved. Oh, there yeah, you go. The, the, a recommendation of, of something like called Flight Test F L I T E test and it's a bunch of guys out in the states they've been doing it for a few years but these guys are sort of radio controlled ninjas and it is unbelievable the stuff that they build and go flying and one of the episodes they end up flying it's probably a 15 foot imperial star destroyer from the empire strikes back that they managed to get airborne and fly around the place, put it in the back of a truck wow. and drive it down their little airfield thing to get it airborne but this guy is fully in control of it and how, does it, how does that work? Well, what's what's the episode? They do they they build a small scale model, and there there was another one I watched, just because you know how it is. You you start a drone thing, and then all of a sudden the next video pops up, and this one they built ten, really really cheaply, and they end up putting you know the BB guns, oh yeah, um, yeah. the sort of machine guns inside, and they had this one. They ended up flying it at dusk. And they had this remote control tank. And this A-10 probably had a, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight. Four, and they had a camera inside the cockpit. And the uh, the little soft uh, airsoft pellets that it was shooting, there were pellets. 
and the gun that they bought has this light that comes out of the uh, the barrel so these pellets look like tracer so that you can oh, see them cool. and they're flying this thing on this big old golf course and letting it rip and trying to shoot this tank it's flipping amazing flight test definitely worth the look for these guys who are just super ninjas with uh, with radio control airplanes. brilliant work brilliant work uh right well okay so this is what we're gonna do do uh do, do now um first of all you're in a quick sentence gonna be of advice that you would give to to an airman airman now coming through the ranks and then Godders is going to read the questions that we on Twitter. Excellent. Who's going first then? An airman coming. Do you mean a pilot through pilot training? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um... <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go with don't give up. Interesting. But, you know, it's there's plenty of times you remember going through basic flying training or elementary flying training or whatever it happened to be where you were sat there. And the last thing in the world you went to mind because you might have had a rough trip the one before. You're praying for bad weather when you get up in the morning, you know, you open that out the window. Uh, you end up being ground happy until you have to really enjoy it again. But it would be so easy to throw in the towel sometimes, you know. And I think all of us ended up getting where we have done and not being up. And, uh, you know, it's probably a good bit of advice. You know, everyone wants to at some point just get through it. I think that's an excellent bit, bit, bit of advice. Darko? I mean, I never, I never thought about giving up. That was, um, yeah, it just just wouldn't, wouldn't have occurred. But the, I think to try and enjoy it as much as you can. You know, sometimes it, it it's obviously the, the best job in the world. We all utterly love it, but it, it's hard work. There's times it's just you can't do it. It's difficult. But um, the the more you can try and enjoy it and uh, and and get pleasure out of it, I think you perform better. You know. That's uh, probably my advice. Dunk, you, what's your little pearl? Come on, you trim. must be... Trim. <laughs> trim, it properly. trim. Trim. Get the ball in the middle. Trim. <laughs> Read your manual and follow it. <laughs> yeah, it's got a, are you going to go with be humble? <laughs> be humble. Don't claim he would win the Red Bull Air Race on his first attempt. Oh, I, I, you know, I reckon we, we probably all would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, How hard can it be? Just got to have the opportunity. I think as well, for Formula One racing, that can't be that difficult, can it? It's just driving a car, isn't it? Exactly. You know, we could talk about G on the next yeah. pilot episode, uh, but um, they don't pull anywhere near proper G. Actually, actually, are you guys any good at are you guys any good at driving? And, and, and I mean that seriously, because obviously you're good at flying. D- does it translate? Yes. <laughs> because we could we could quite easily test this by going go-karting oh, we have been go-karting and who won lots and lots of times yeah. lots of pile-ups lots of pile-ups I, I can I imagine a look of horror on the 21 year old operative's face who was in charge of running the go-kart circuit for that day when the three RAF lads rock up well, it's not the three RF lads. It's when an entire squadron rocks up and you know <laughs> that someone will be driving the wrong way against the stream around the track. In yeah. the squadron well, bus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know, though, that we do we go kart, go go-karting all the time? And the most dangerous thing was actually the drive back after the karting in the yeah, minibus. Well, because the minibus doesn't work like the uh, exactly. like go You start running like the flipping carts. So who is... Who is the best go-kart driver out of the three of you? That'll be me, sir. Ah, get out, Parky. I think the last time I beat you. 
No, you're thrusting. Yes, I did. So rubbish. I yeah. beat you so the last time we went. You need to be a lighter gentleman, Dunk. I yeah. remember but absolutely gutted because you didn't make the final. <laughs> <laughs> did you throw your helmet down, Dunk? Was this in the Reds? No, no, no. No, it was BBMF. We went and Parky, Parky for somehow. What, the whole BBMF? I won it, won it with KP. Didn't win it. Yeah. The whole BBMF and go-karting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a story which you kept kept quiet. This was fascinating. Well, not really. We just went go-karting. But uh, the, uh, that was one of the boys leaving dues, wasn't it? Parky is quite good normally. It's just I was utterly delighted at this time. Oh, I Mason, I can't it. believe you broke. No, I didn't break. He spun off this time or something. He's quite good, isn't he? It's like a wiry little terrier. Trust the weight, Dunk. <laughs> hey, I know what I want to speak wet. about. Before we, before we, we <laughs> speaking of wiry ginger little terriers. Oh, yeah. Have, have we seen on Twitter, I can't work out quite who did this, but we've now got Parky is on Twitter. On Twitter at oh, yes. Lego Parky. I think we've got a question from Lego Parky as well because I'm now including him in all of our tweet stuff. Did you see know like, about this before we carry on? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a little ginger red arrow, Parky. A little Lego ginger red arrow, and um, he's just been on holiday as well. He uh, was it London City he flew out of, um, but there's a picture of him Definitely. in his seat in the aeroplane. Yeah. <laughs> He's he's a bit taller than the real Parky, but other than that, it's remarkably similar. And he's a bit more supple. He's <laughs> <laughs> got <Jeez>. wrinkles. <laughs> so on that bombshell, shall we go to Twitter? Yeah, and, let's uh, do it. And, and see what they're saying. Right, actually, um, in fact, there is Lego Parky. First one, Graham McDowell. Now, I actually work with Graham McDowell. Um, what? I made him a coffee today. Did you? So, so he's seen you to you? I did actually make him a coffee. Oh, um, sorry, just before you go no, on, what, no, what does Graham no, do? No, it's not, but I'm, I'm a man of the people. Well, then you. And uh, what uh, and what does Graham do? Um, DSTL, so he's he's one of our scientists. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, and he really likes Formula One, actually. I keep telling him that, they're, you know, anyone could do it. Uh, but he, he has said, when does the formation drone racing team start up? Yes, Parky, I can see it. If I pass my OCU, can we? Should we go and earn fifty grand? It's very difficult. I've tried it with James. He, he we, we've done a few at night. They've got little torches on the front. Have you seen the little, little yes. light? Yeah. You could. It's really good. You can see them. Who are few pointing at each other? bits. But uh, I think quite a level, and you need to maybe concentrate on your flying, basic flying, one step at a time, Goddess. Okay, there you go. There's some advice from Parky. He does say recommend not practicing near any major uh, flying field, uh, major airfield. So, um, Steamter, best film about flying ever made. Dot dot dot. Top Gun mark. next. Say again. Top Gun next. No. Top Gun is. It just is. It just is. I think Isn't you're it? right. The, the photography in that is just amazing. Uh, and also yeah, just... the innuendos and you know. Uh, it's an iconic scene. Look, there are other good films out there, but it is Top Gun, so we don't need to discuss that much longer, unless you want Battle to. Britain. Battle of Britain. Battle of Britain. It's not so the Battle of Britain. More one line is in the Battle of Britain that you can use. No, no line is better than "I want butts, give me butts." <laughs> <laughs> That's going back to the. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> the uh, yeah. Right, so there's two. Uh, but what about? Uh, 
I now we're we're going to get into the if that's the best. What's the worst flying film you've ever seen? Oh, that's is a... it is it Iron Eagle? Oh, could be. Oh, I love Iron Eagle. Eagle. So it must so be pretty bad. What Queen One Vision whilst flying in Israeli F sixteen? <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I need you to talk, watch this you now. You talked yourself out of that answer, didn't you? It's like, really? What other, what other really bad flying films are there? Snakes, snakes on a plane. <laughs> Hot shot. When they go, they go do CGI, don't they? And it's just utterly unbelievable. The Even Pearl Harbor, the flying scenes in that. You're oh, right, yes. actually. Pearl Harbor yeah. is terrible. Oh, yeah, they oh. just, it could have been so much better. They just went over the top. I've got a question for you. If there was, if there was to be a new film made regarding flying, um, which event would it be? Ooh, what about the Falklands War? Ah, do you know what? That's exactly what I was thinking. Either the Black Buck, or uh, I mean, I, I know the it's Black all... Buck one would be a bit dull, though, wouldn't it? It'd just be tanking, and then two hours. Of... Yeah, I guess it would <laughs> be, would it? Sat there and I, I think they might montage then... that rather than just play two hours. <laughs> yeah. Come and see the Black Buck the film. Fancy... It's ten hours long. Fancy a sandwich? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, or i tell you the other one. Um, uh, the name of the now, basically the operation to resupply Malta, which I know isn't strictly a uh, a flying film itself but there was a lot of flying in flying in involved i can't remember what it's called now oh the uh, the operation uh yeah. oh it'll come to me in a minute but oh, what about toronto that'd be quite a good one <clears throat> yeah, yeah I did say- a load of swordfishes swordfish oh yeah in Eric Winkle Brown's book, he talks about a raid where the boys with the SAS went down and stole. It was, a, it was actually a four-engined Heinkel called the Griff, but it was uh, it just had two propellers, but both propellers had sort of two engines inside. Very complicated aircraft. It wasn't a success, but at the time Hitler was saying it was his sort of wonder bomb and it would change the war. But essentially, the boys, they, they knew they were servicing some in Bordeaux. And I think sort of post-D-Day, they basically broke into this Luftwaffe base and stole one of them and flew it back to Farnborough. And I think that would make a cracking <laughs> film. <laughs> That's amazing. That, that is, is simply good. amazing, isn't it? Right, someone listening to this pod must be able to get the film rights for that and then uh, and then go and make it. Uh, Operation Pedestal is what I was thinking. There, uh, there you go. Good lad. Um, right, here's... Well, in fact, Adam Spink does say, here's a question. If the chaps had been unable to become pilots in the RAF, maybe for medical reasons, I like that extra, uh, you know, possibility. What other career would they have chosen? Twenty points for the first one who replies pilot in the Navy slash Army. Um, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Yes. Airline pilot. Yeah, and maybe most of it in terms of aviation. I'm sure I've had this conversation with Dunk, but we didn't really have a plan B, Dunk. No, we definitely didn't have a plan. I'm, Mine I'm, genuinely was. I'm going to have to be a, a dustman. You really, know, I, I didn't have a plan B either. I, I always, I always thought that that Dunk would have worked it, work, worked in an abattoir. <laughs> <laughs> now you come to mention it, that does it sound, sound like fun, fun, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> an abattoir instructor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what you other two. I'll have to, I'll have to think about that more. Uh, barista. Barista. A big beard. Um. No, airline pilot. Uh, still flying. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> yeah, what would you do if you didn't become a pilot? 
airline yeah. pilot <laughs> from the airport. RAF pilot, he said. <laughs> Not, uh... I have no idea what I would have done. I have absolutely no idea. Match. Yep, same. <laughs> Good <laughs> job we got in then. What, what would you do, JB, if you weren't a financial advisor? Oh, crikey. I was, I, I, was, I was thinking today about not working ever again and just doing podcasts and covering rugby and doing all these other things which I try and fit, in, fit into my spare time. I have no idea if I could do it again. I, I, do you know what? I, I, might, I might join the Air Force in, 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 in my formative years. Still get out oh. by, tw- by 25 and, uh, you know, go and do something else straight afterwards. I did nothing of any use from 18 to 25. <laughs> and you're only 26 now. Oh, I wish. I wish. Yeah. Uh, right, there you go. A disappointing answer to that in that no one what the hell we would have done. So it's lucky we did become pilots. Um, here's one from uh, Bren at uh, Brent Fly Big Bird. Have any of you seen a UFO whilst flying? Oh, that's a great question. No. I thought I thought I did. I, <laughs> I thought I did once. Go on, tell us about that then. Where, where were well, you? I was. So it was. It was probably before you were born, JB. But it was uh, mid to late nineties, and it was when the Halley Bop comet was uh, was in town, I and that. we were on a Harrier flying detachment up in Scotland and I was doing some low level at night on uh, night vision goggles and it was an evening it was fully overcast it was pretty crap weather actually and I went um, uh, I'm going to forget the name of the the Moffat Valley that's what happened so I was flying down the Moffat Valley which is on the borders and you fly down this valley JB and it's got a hard 90 left towards the end of it and then there's a, a, a hard 90 right and is this at you know, night? It's, yeah. Okay. So it's tricky in the day, you know, especially when you're looking for weather, because you kind of move one side of the valley, see, see if you can see around the corner to make sure there's no weather, and then turn into it. And it's much trickier at night, because through the night vision goggles, you can't really see the weather. And I ended up coming around the last 90, rolled out, and immediately went into cloud and thought, oh, my God. So flew a low-level abort, which is, you know, basically you, you point the aeroplane on its arse, go full power, and scream skywards to avoid flying into any hills and uh it was something i was just not ready for but i broke cloud at about i don't know five thousand feet or something like that and it was gin clear above and i looked up on on the goggles and saw you know so the comet you could see with the naked eye but with the night vision goggles on oh my god this thing was enormous and the you know there, so there was this huge front end and a um uh, this massive tail going backwards. I had no idea what it was, but I immediately thought I was going to hit it. So rolled back upside down and pulled as hard as I could and went back into cloud Oof. down towards the blood holes. I'm but trying to imagine your list. <laughs> you, you've already gone into cloud and gone, oh my God, and then aborted. You come out of the cloud. Oh my what God. What is that? Oh, neck, it's an alien. And uh, and then smashed straight back into the cloud, recovered from an unusual position and came back up again very gingerly to the cloud whilst looking out, wondering what the hell that thing was and realising it was a big comet. Wow. Uh, actually, as you mentioned, comets, um, a flying film, which uh, is it cl- classed as a flying film, the film Armageddon. Oh <laughs> Drilling it into uh, Bruce Willis. That's that the one. one. Uh, what I love about that is that it's easier to train oil workers from the North Sea to be astronauts than astronauts to use a drill. <laughs> to, 
<laughs> yeah, tough men from the heartland. Um, yeah. I, I did. Uh, I was flying with a guy, um, Welzer, uh, in the Typhoon once. So I don't know whether you guys had ever had this, but um, we had a shooting star, you know, so a little meteorite uh, come directly between the formation. You know, normally these things you will wow. see burn out. So we're up at 40,000 feet. And this thing, again, we're on night vision goggles, but I could see it, it was so bright outside the cockpit, just flashed between us. And I thought he'd let off all of his flares. And so I did the radio, I went, did you just flare? He went, no, did you? And it was in the debrief on the ground, we, you know, because you see little shooting stars the whole time on night vision goggles. But the only possible explanation for this, unless it was a UFO, was um, a little shooting star coming between us in the uh, in the formation, but it was just white that hot is... and streaming streaking past. So, so okay, I am assuming that someone in the RF has at some point seen a UFO. This is no, me being uh, me being conspiratorial. Are you, are you allowed to talk about it if you see it? Or do you have to sign anything? Is is, is there anything which uh, prevents you talk, talking about it, or is that just complete myth? Uh, boys, do you know what he's talking about? No idea. Perfect. Perfect. Hey, before God, uh, God has keeps on going with the questions, I've got to read this one out because it's a belter. It's from our mate Frog, um, who is at Flap62. <laughs> is there a reason why we record each podcast on a 1982 TDK C90? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It, it's so Frog can use it in his audio equipment. <laughs> I think he might be referring to the uh, the the varying sound quality of podcasts. I, I take great offence at that. Great offence. Yeah, uh, I tell you what, JB. I think um, Frog is a. Uh, I don't know whether he's a captain in BA now, but he's uh, he's definitely the, the most senior first officer on the planet, an ex Harry guy. That's uh, an idiot. And, uh, <laughs> but. I think his claim to fame, he did, uh, they did this TV program. It was only a two, three, four, five years ago where it was all about keeping your heart rate as low as you could whilst you answered questions. And uh, I think he won. He won about 20 grand or something like that. Because wow. They, wow. Missed it. they put a heart rate monitor on you and were firing questions at you. And, and you know, if your heart rate went above a certain level um you were booted off i can't remember the exact rules but you were booted off and he got all the way to the final did really really well you'd be good at that wouldn't you you're like a, you're like a sloth just sat there sort of <laughs> heart rate of two exactly yes <laughs> occasionally if a meteorite passes yeah. between your aircraft it might pop up to three yeah, like uh, uh, the heart rate of a hibernating terrapin yeah, exactly. Hey, listen, I've also got to, um, I've got to apologize for something. So uh, I Please. got into trouble. So I don't know. I've been getting a few texts here and there from saying, you know, like the podcast, it's, uh, it is, you know, takes me back to crew room days, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And last podcast, um, we, we gave a shout out to, uh, to Greg Baker in Amman. Hi, Greg. And um, so, uh, but because some of you boys mentioned Greg Perilu, and I went, no, well, Greg's got in touch with me and he is not happy. So this time, got to say hi to Greg Perilu out in Hong Kong. So hi, Greg. Is there <laughs> Hello, Greg. shout outs that you've got to do? <laughs> or is it just me? I can't be so good at podcasts. We're getting shout outs already. So famous. Um, here's one from uh, Isles G. 
Uh, what did we all get from Secret Santa? Did you did you boys do Secret Santa at work? Um, Meg, I did do a secret a Secret Santa, but I actually got a, a sort of surprise gift over um, over Christmas, which I'm going to mention now. Which is, um, I actually got an episode uh, an episode that I remember. Um, I got uh, an issue of the magazine Wings, which I was delighted with. Oh, that's a belter! In fact. Oddly enough, just as you've said that, Wings Mag has just uh, liked one of our tweets at that podcast. Yeah. There you go. That's serendipity. I, I mean, I, w- I, w- I would just suggest if you do like this podcast that you'll probably like Wings because uh, it, it arrived about two weeks ago. It is a magnificent thing. It, it's just, it, it's, it's basically a piece of art which you, which you put on your coffee table and occasionally read. It's a, it really is a lovely thing. Oh, that's good. I'm going to go and get a copy now. Um, Gents, uh, what, did, uh, what did you boys get? Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about the rest. Did you do Secret Santa at work there, Dunk? No, it's not It's, it's not MOD with us. You know, we don't have any of that sort of stuff. But, uh, no, just I, go I, flying. Exactly, just fly around. But um, the uh, or none of us like each other. So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> no one wants to buy each other. Yeah, Lumps of coal all around. Oh, yeah, there is one. It's just I'm not in it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get a tweet from CFS in a minute saying, yeah, well, exactly, we all yeah. did secret center in another room. <laughs> I'm very popular. Um, the, I, I, I got a little aircraft carrier-shaped erasers. Oh, erasers. Nice. Yeah. I got a, uh, for Christmas though, if we're going to do Christmas presents, I got a, an Xbox One controller so I can play okay. on my son's Xbox One with Star Wars Battlefront 2. Oh, oh nice. It's brilliant. Have I you, love uh, it. I get my head smashed in every time. Are you, are you, can you fly snow speeders? Not yet. I, I know they're twin seat, but I, I, I always fancied flying a snow speeder. Yeah. Oh, can you in the game? Yes, I think so. You can pretty much, you know, fly, drive, hover, anything. Nice. I'm, I'm, you can't choose, though. You just have to do it when it tells you. I am seriously thinking about doing some sort of serious games setup in the dungeon. Because, actually, the dungeon's my studio, and it's underground. I just think it'd be really cool. Uh, on the other uh, hand... It is, I, got, I got Battlefield Five. You go online, and I have been shot within about 10 seconds. And that's probably a good game for me. <laughs> do you do what the rest of us do is just give up at that point because if you're yeah, not brilliant at it sort of gone to sort of just being a sniper and kind of hiding and hoping to get the odd lucky hang kill, on parky it's <laughs> it's a bit oh, i just don't know how these boys are so good at it it's just quite depressing have you got so, an, have you got an xbox parky yeah and dunk's got one as well well my boy has god is do you have, do you have a... uh I think I've got an Xbox 360 in the garage. No, that's no good. Uh, no. Because I was going to say, I mean, there, there must be some sort of some sort of um, fighter style game that, that we could get involved with. With start some sort of squash ladder. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, there must be CFS Harrier pilots or something on the Xbox. Yeah, yeah there must yeah. be. Yeah, there's bound to be. A trimming competition. <laughs> <laughs> just practice, just practice vertical landing in peacetime. Easy, yeah, exactly. yeah. easy, lovely. But here's a here's a question from Nick Aranda. What was your first sortie as a qualified pilot? Uh, did my first as a newbie PPL last week. Never been service in my life. Oh. Good lads, congratulations. Well done. Yeah. 
We clearly um, got back down again, so that's good news. Yeah, exactly. He's tweeting, unless he's still up there. <laughs> uh, well, well done, Nick. Um, first sortie as a qualified pilot. I took a mate flying. I was 17 years old. I because I'd been doing the flying scholarship. I hadn't uh, had any driving lessons yet, and it was the. It seems ridiculous, but you know, 17 year old mate drove me to Red Hill Aerodrome. We got in this Cessna and went flying. And I just remember seeing these big saucer eyes as we sort of did high angle turns over Guildford Cathedral, you know. And you know, when my son was 17, I wouldn't have put him in charge of a hairdryer, <laughs> let alone an aeroplane. Whoever let me go flying in that flipping thing with another mate at 17 year old, that's incredible. Was, uh, 17 years old must have been mad. Yeah, that's insane. Mad. Flying. Flying with mates. I've got a PPL. Anybody want to come fly? <laughs> Dunk, you I, must have done the same thing. Well, uh, no, I don't think I did. I know, because you, you didn't get a PPL outside, did you? you... No, I didn't. No, no, I didn't get one until I uh, I got my wings in the Air Force. So uh, my, as a qualified pilot, I suppose, it was my first trip after being a qualified Air Force pilot. So it was my wings graduation fly past at uh, RAF Chivnan. Oh, that's a good one. What, what did you do for the fly past? Oh, well, it was, uh, it was just the four of us. So uh, it was a box four. Nice. Box four past the tower. Bit of flying around. Nothing too much. We definitely didn't wire them. <laughs> <laughs> definitely didn't. And did you stay on the runway on this particular occasion down at Chivna? Oh, now, come on. <laughs> all off the runway at some point. I know. All three of us. We've done well, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, just JB. We need to get you involved in some sort of crash, JB. Yeah, that that would be <laughs> ideal, really. Well, I mean, Join the club. well, hang on. Didn't didn't you mention just a completely off, you know, uh, not offhand. Can't think of the word. Um, in random conversation on your other podcast the other day that you'd been knocked off your bike. Oh yeah, I got absolutely smashed. Um, yeah, some some some, some lunatic uh, drove right across a junction, right into my path. I hit the bonnet, went over the bonnet, the bike went over me, and because obviously I'm a tough, hard rugby player, um, I popped up immediately. Yep, not hurt, not hurt. Uh, cycled on, the hip wasn't quite right, but bloody 300 quid's worth of damage to my bike, and I, and I, I, I never got their uh, never got their license plate or phone number. Bloody. That's out of order, isn't it? Yeah, there well, you know, it's one of those, like, I, I, the, the problem is, I'm a terrible driver, okay? And I can imagine myself. That's actually one of the reasons that I don't drive. At work. I'm worried about killing someone, so I've given up the car and I just cycle everywhere. So I was. We saw I, you getting into the uh, Gulfstream. To be honest, it doesn't surprise. Exactly me. right. I mean, well, I mean, the A380 is a big aircraft, and I could hardly you know get into that thing without knocking something over. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I can imagine so, myself. So, so we all have. That's huh? it. So we all have crashed. Oh, I've done more than crash. Trouble. I um. I on an icy road in North Wales. Oh, okay, so I've had three crashes that I can think of. Um, first one was by far the worst. By far the worst, which was I was on an icy road on the side of a mountain in North Wales. The front of my car went over what looked like a three-foot hedge on one side, a six-foot hedge on the other side. Flipped it and then started rolling down the hill. Uh, and luckily, I hit a tree because after that tree was about a twenty-foot house. 
So, uh, <laughs> had a very, oh so, um, and I remember because uh, I had one of the brand new Nokia phones. Do you know the Nokias when they first came out? Massive, bigger than a smartphone. Slide in and out. It had a camera in it. The first of a real camera phone in like ma- on, on the mass market. So, the slidey one out of the Matrix. No, before that, it was bigger. It was about the width of an iPhone. I remember because I had it that day. And my first instinct after rolling and watching a tree stump come and crush uh, crush a passenger side with no one was in, um, was like, right, must get out of this car. I ran about 20 yards, stopped, turned around, went back to the car, grabbed my phone, and then carried on running. (laughs) So, yeah. Did you you then film it sliding out from the tree and then going through the house? I don't think it had a video function. I think it's just a, a camera function. But bloody terrifying. That's good. Yeah. Right, it's not many people that say, thank goodness I crashed into a tree. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, the lo- well, I've had very many lucky escapes, but that was probably my luckiest. <laughs> right, final couple of questions then. Um, here's one here, and I forgot, I, I meant to mention this actually, but uh, this is from uh, Chris W. at A. Walton 7. Um, memories from walking through the gates of Cranwell for the first time. Now, that's related to uh, a tweet up on Sunday, which was... Um, January the 6th, and Duncan and I walked through the gates of Cranwell for the first time on January the 6th, 1991. So I think my first memory was, who's that bloody idiot that I'm sharing a room with? <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't it was until Mason. later that we shared a room. Oh, yeah, it was the next six weeks. Yeah. I have exaggerated. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, it, it would have been some sort of terrified, am I going to crack this, as I watched a load of people get ironing boards out of their cars and, and not know really what the hell was going on. Oh, surfers. <laughs> yeah, I was at a surfing. <laughs> did did I, uh, any of you three ever think of going to Wellback? Oh, no. No. Of you to what? To, to, well, to Wellback College. It's a military college, isn't it? Or... It is, yeah. My cousin's got in. Uh, he's d- going the army route, but uh, apparently it's Air Force, Navy, the lot. Was there military in your family? Uh, no. He's just decided to do it, and he's got and he's got in. You have to be quite really anything about it. Yeah, no. that's true. I, I don't know. Well, I, I assume he must be bright then. But uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, I, I thought I thought it was quite an interesting one because you do that, and then you go straight to either uh, Stranwell or wherever else it may be. Does it qualify you for? Do you still have to pass the selection yeah, process? Have I have it, no idea. Yeah, I'm sure you still have to do the uh, tests and, uh, and interviews. Hmm, interesting. Uh, any further questions there, Godders? Um, I think we'll call it a day there because there's a couple of others that um, might take a while to answer, so we'll save them up for next time. But some questions in there. Thanks, everyone, for yeah. uh, for writing in. Well, I I have a question for, uh, 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 for you, Godders. Yes. <laughs> when are we go into hybrid air vehicles? Oh, I'm sorting it out. Excellent. So we'll do one more of these podcasts over the phone, over Skype, and then the one after that we're going to do from an aircraft hangar somewhere with a, a massive balloon, right? With an enormous uh, air vehicle in there. Hybrid yeah. air vehicle. Airlander a 10. Hybrid air vehicle. So that's one more of these in June, and then October. <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds about right. We'll, we'll, we'll try and get another one out in the next few weeks, and, and God has get on it with... Uh, I'm on it. With we've, got, air we've got we've got leads for all sorts of really cool stuff. We just need to work out time, JB, when you're not actually podcasting or doing your day job. I'm all, well. No, I, I'm I'm free. If if you let me know, Goddess, you're on what thin time ice, mate, to be. because 
it was tonight. Everyone was like, "Oh, yeah, we can do Monday. Yeah, we could do Tuesday. Yeah, God has can't do it. Anyone? Can I, we do it tonight? Yeah, we can. We can do one tonight if we start at midnight because I've got a little do I've got to go to. I had a champagne Phil. reception. I oh, could not miss that. Da. At the Royal Chelsea Hospital, I spoke to some. Chelsea Were you lining up the champagne for the two star? You, yes, yes I've got you. Uh, we've moved on from coffee, sir. Here's some champagne. <laughs> Five glasses here. It's talking to a nice. Chelsea pensioner. That place is a belter, actually, if you've ever been there. What? Ch- Chelsea? Chelsea Hospital. Oh, uh, okay, nice. Uh, anyway. Anyway, yes. Um, okay, well, I guess we'll see you in a few weeks' time, but in the meantime, you can do... You can follow us on Twitter, at Pilot Episode Pod. You can follow uh, Godders at... Is it... Hang on, I keep getting this wrong. God's Tweet? Godders Tweet? Godders Tweet. And don't... You are... Uh. I'm at Doug Major 222. Doug Major 222. Uh, me, I'm at Jay Beardmore, but you can also follow Lego Parky. <laughs> Which is at Lego Parky. Simple, at Lego Parky. In fact, in fact, let me just, um, I'm just going to check and see how many followers Lego Parky has at the moment. It's going to, that is going to take off. It's brilliant. I love, by the way, there's a picture of Lego 68, Parky. 68 followers. Wow. He's, he's looking out of a rainy aircraft window. Saying rainy flight back from Paris today, chaps. I'm holding it up here, Dunk. <laughs> exactly. Per- personally, I, I I think the funniest tweet from Lego Parky is the one where he's flying a drone over an all-girls school. Don't know what that's all about, but it's still hilarious. <laughs> There's another one. He's not wearing his red suit there. He's obviously oh, got a bunch of... Uh... There's a horrible thought. It's probably not podcast material, is it? With people yeah, listening to it. it, we're just looking at pictures on at Lego Parking. So go, and, so go and follow him. That bombshell and all that. Indeed. All right, gentlemen. I will see you in a couple of weeks. No, cheers, right, cheers, bye, see you, buddy. Bye, bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.